Merry Christmas. Uh, thanks for taking some time out of your Christmas Eve to hang out with us. Uh, it is all coming to a head. Christmas is tomorrow. All the work, all the parties, all the gifts. It's going to be uh, a fun time. But if you've been with us for out the, throughout this month of December, we have been going through our Christmas series, Far as the Curse is Found, and we've been unpacking uh, some really important truths out of Galatians chapter 3, talking about uh, the curse of sin, uh, the cross of Jesus, and the new covenant that he established. And, and as we've done that, we've each week kind of highlighted uh, a different word that is often associated with Christmas, hope, uh, peace, last week, love. And today we're going to look at one more of those words. And it maybe is the word that goes with Christmas more than any other. It's the word joy. Uh, joy is a Christmas word because Christmas is a joyful season. We always talk about the joy of Christmas, the excitement of Christmas morning, the smiles, the laughs, the good time. And it is a reality for most of us, that this is the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, but I think if we're being honest, that's not true for everybody. Christmas time is not always the most joyful time of the year. For a lot of people, the joy of Christmas is a distant memory that is long past. They don't have much family around anymore. There's no kids to open presents on Christmas morning. It's the soon or the recent loss of a loved one, and so they don't really feel that joy anymore. Uh, but I think whether Christmas is a joyful season for you or a hard season for you, I think the one thing that we would pretty much all agree about the joy of Christmas is that it's a temporary feeling, right? Like today as we're recording this is Christmas Eve, tomorrow is Christmas, and we're going to be so excited about everything happening, and then it's over. The presents are unwrapped, the food has been uh eat. Uh, we've got the tree uh, that is taken down. The lights come down. The decorations go in the box and Christmas is over. And with that, oftentimes comes what uh, has been called uh, the Christmas letdown or the holiday letdown. Uh, and that comes from all that fun stuff that we've been doing just going away. Uh, I, I like the way it was put uh, by a couple of people. Uh, there's an author named Ronnie Martin. This is what he says. He says, Christmas is an escape from reality in many ways. There is beautiful and nostalgic music playing all day. We are surrounded by whimsical decor, but January can be disorienting because it's back to business as usual. And whatever, whatever troubles we are able to shelve in December, they come back with a bit of a thump. Or I, I like it how uh, this lady Angela says it. She says, well, all the fun is over. Now it's back to business as usual, but your pants feel tighter. <laughs> I, I think that's right. There is that kind of after Christmas letdown, that joy that permeates the Christmas season just seems to disappear. It, it goes away. And, and so I think the question that so many people ask themselves is, well, why doesn't that joy last? And not just the joy that comes with Christmas, joy in your life just in general. You may be on top of the mountain some days, but it just doesn't seem to last. Why does joy never last? Is the joy of Christmas, uh, is it, if it's supposed to be such a big thing, why does it disappear so fast? And why often is it even so hard to find? Well, today, just in a few minutes together, what we're going to do is go back and look at the Christmas story in Scripture and I think be surprised a little bit about what we find and what it can teach us about joy. 
And so if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start reading in verse 8 some of the most memorable verses of the Christmas story. This is what we read in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. Man, that is just Hallmark Christmas, classic Christmas, Linus in Charlie Brown, right? Uh, Unto you is born a savior. But it's that phrase, great joy, that I want to look at and think about with you today. Because what the angels proclaim to the shepherds is good news of great joy. And notice it's not just joy, but it's great joy. Maybe that is what we're looking for in the Christmas season, this great joy, this joy that is actually going to last. Well, what's interesting is if if you look at the original text that Luke wrote, he he wrote in the Greek language, and the word that he used in Greek is the word really transliterated into English, mega. He says this isn't just joy, it's great joy, it's mega joy. It's a joy that's unlike any others, and I would say it's a joy that lasts. Now, I think here's the thing. We're tempted to look at Luke chapter 2, at that good news of great joy, and kind of write it off as something that's just pie in the sky, something uh, that we just spiritualize and divorce it from the context of reality. Oh yeah, I know, that's joy, that's Jesus' joy, but but that doesn't have anything to do with my day-to-day life. That doesn't pay the bills, that doesn't fix this relationship, that doesn't do whatever. But I think let's, let's fight against that for a little bit today. Let's, let's stop trying to divorce the joy we read in Scripture from the reality of life. Let's lean in to the real-life context and the real-life circumstances that surrounded that first Christmas. I mean, just read the first few verses of that same chapter. Luke chapter 2 again, starting instead of starting verse 8, let's just jump to verse 1. Let's read this. It says, In, the same, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, I think maybe you're already thinking, said Chip, I thought we were talking about joy. There's no joy in verses 1 through 7. Well, that's kind of the point. Just look at the circumstances surrounding that first Christmas. Just look at the real life, lived out experience of Mary and Joseph in that first Christmas. Number one, the timing of the first Christmas was absolutely terrible. 
right? Like we see holiday movies that, you know, comedies uh, all the time about bad timing and stuff getting awkward or stuff making a, a hard trip or things going wrong. Well, imagine yourself as Mary and Joseph, uh, who Mary is very, very pregnant. And then there is this decree handed down from the Roman Empire that everybody has to go to their ancestral hometown and register for a census. And there were no exceptions for very pregnant couples. You see, the timing was terrible because Mary was pregnant, but Rome ruled. Rome ruled the nation of Israel at this time. Caesar demanded obedience. He demanded worship. The people were heavily taxed to the point of breaking them. And in many ways, the nation of Israel at this time was captive in their own land. This was not a good time in the nation of Israel. And then, because Rome was in control, Mary and Joseph didn't have a choice. They couldn't stay home nearby the doctors. They had to make the long journey from northern Israel in the Galilee, in the town of Nazareth, down past Jerusalem to this small town of Bethlehem. And Bethlehem itself was not really a premier destination. It was a small town suburb outside of Jerusalem whose best days seemed to be in the past. Now, it was the ancestral home of David, but David had not been around for a long time. And the Davidic line had gone through a whole lot of family issues. And so now you have this small town of Bethlehem that is busting at the seams because although there's not much going on there now, there's a lot of people who are from there. And so when Mary and Joseph make this long journey and they come to Bethlehem, this little town with no rooms, there's really no place for them to stay. And you know that part of the story, right? That Mary and Joseph couldn't find a room, so they had to go stay with the animals. They they stayed probably in what was very literally a cave where animals were kept and, and maybe where even the sheep were supposed to be kept, but they weren't in the cave. They were out in the fields. That's why the shepherds were out there when the angels came. But nonetheless, Mary and Joseph have this less than ideal situation of not having a bed, not even having a roof, but having to stay in a cave and use a feeding trough for a crib. Really, even the birth announcement of Jesus was underwhelming. And I don't mean the choir of angels. I I imagine that was a a sight to behold as this heavenly host fills the sky above these shepherds. But it's just that. They made the announcement to shepherds, not to royals or scholars or businessmen. They made the announcement to lowly shepherds, to farmers. There were very frustrating circumstances around the first Christmas, from Roman occupation to the harsh journey to the inconvenience of rooms to uh, the shepherds being the people who were first told about this. And yet in the midst of all of these terrible circumstances, good news and great joy broke through and came into our world. And that's what I want you to see about the first Christmas. This great joy came in spite of everything that would have drowned it out. How's that possible? Because joy came in the person of Jesus. Now, 
you, you got to get your head around this because, you know, maybe you're thinking, Chip, you, you just said don't spiritualize it. Don't just, you know, say, oh, well, it's Jesus and kind of forget it. Th- that's not what I'm doing when I say that joy came in the person of Jesus. What I'm saying is joy did not come in this imaginary perfect world where nothing ever went wrong. Joy came in the person of Jesus who was born in one of the most chaotic environments that you and I could imagine. He was a king who was laid in a main He was a baby who was born to die. He was infinite God that wrapped himself in human flesh. And that brought joy. Because oftentimes, joy comes in the most unexpected places, in the most unexpected times, in the most unexpected ways. And for me, just thinking about the events and circumstances around that first Christmas, It means, the birth of Jesus means that God has not forgotten us in the midst of our chaos. It means that he cares when everything is going against us. And it means even when we can't see it and it feels like the world is falling apart, that he is intimately involved in the workings of our world and our lives. And I think even more than that, the way that Jesus was born shows that God is not impressed with the wealthy and the power, powerful. And he is not deterred by the obstacles in our life. You see, I think that the message of Christmas is clear. Real joy, lasting joy, is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Maybe the reason that your Christmas joy evaporates every January is because it's more about the circumstances than the Christ. It's more about uh, the presence and the events and the people than it really is about Jesus. You see, I believe when we focus on our circumstances, on all the stuff that's happening around us, our joy can get lost in the shuffle. It's easy to just get so distracted by everything that's going on that we lose that joy. When we focus on people and, and possessions, Our joy can be taken from us. The way that people act, the way that they treat us, the way that they treat each other, the possessions, the lack of possessions, the love of possessions, the maintenance of possessions, all of that can take our joy. And when we worry about all the things in life that might happen one day, our joy can even be overwhelmed with the cares of this life. It can be choked and and drowned out. But when we focus on Jesus, on who he is, and on what he's done, our joy is made full. Joy is not about people or possessions or positions or popularity, but joy is knowing and being known by Jesus. Is that a joy that you have today? Is that the reason that it's a joy you've missed and that your joy seems to fade away because it's been based on all those other things and it's not been based on Jesus. You see, we've we've titled this series, Far as the Curse is Found, as a a callback to Isaac Watts' famous Christmas hymn, Joy to the World. And I think even in that song, Joy to the World, Isaac Watts gives us a picture of how we can participate in this joy 
when we lose it, it's taken or overwhelmed. Let's just look at a few lines from this song as we wind down today. Isaac Watts says, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. You see, joy comes when we receive Jesus as our king. Maybe you're watching today, and if you're being honest with yourself, you know that you've been trying to be your own king of your own life, do things your way, make your own decisions, but true joy doesn't come from ruling your own life. True joy comes from surrendering your life to Jesus. Will you receive him as your king? Next verse says, Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. See, joy comes when we receive Jesus as king, but joy is expressed and experienced as we worship our king. Maybe you haven't made worship a priority in your own life. Not just private worship, but public corporate worship. Maybe you're lacking joy because you need to employ your song to the king. Or there's this forgotten third verse. And maybe you didn't even know that this was a part of joy to the world, but listen to this from the third verse of this song. Watts says, No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessing flow far as the curse is found. You see, true lasting joy comes when we realize that Jesus came to heal all that was broken in our world, including us. That's why that phrase is so important to me, far as the curse is found. Because Jesus has promised that his blessing will flow to every square inch of our world and every square inch of our life where grace has, uh, where sin has abounded, where sin has broken, grace overwhelms and grace heals. And so what you need to hear today, when your joy is gone, when you feel like the world is closing in, when circumstances are going against you, when people are opposing you, when you are overwhelmed with the cares of life, I want you to know that that there is no hurt that Jesus won't heal when we come to him. And so I'd love to invite you to do that today, to just come to Jesus, surrender at his feet and say, Jesus, I need joy in my life that only you can bring. I've tried to find that joy in a million other places in a million other ways, but today, I want to look to you and you alone for a joy that life can't give and death can't take. If you'd like to talk to somebody about that, we would love to talk with you. We have people waiting online right now to talk to you. Or you can reach out to one of our location pastors in Lake City and Branford and Live Oak and have a real conversation with them. Maybe you want to come and be with us when we start back in January to come hang out and have this conversation face to face. But I want you to know today that this Christmas you can have joy that lasts because you can have Jesus. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for time and your word. And thank you for the joy that comes in Jesus and we're reminded of that at Christmas. So God, I pray that as we move throughout this day and the days ahead and all the festivities and parties and presents and good times, that when all of that is over and it gets put in the trash or shoved in the closet, that our joy would last because our joy would be built on Jesus. It's in his name we pray.
Amen.